Okay, we are live. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another exciting episode of React 30. I am your host, Michael Jackson, here with my co-host, Ryan P. Florence. Hey. This, this, this week, by the way, I found out what the P stands for. Uh, Peterson. That's right. It's my maiden name. His maiden name before he was married. <laughs> and our special guest today is Devin B. Lindsay. Say hi, Devin. Hello. Did I get that middle initial right? You did. It's Brooke. Brooke. Hey, I kind of like Brooke. Yeah, it's nice. Could be like your alter ego. Yeah, it actually is. So. Brooke with the van gator shoes. <laughs> So we have, uh, uh, we're super excited to have Devin on the show today. Um, Devin, uh, for those of you who, who might not know Devin, she is um, the, the she, she's actually just, quite simply, she's one of the very, very first people I ever met when I started doing React. Um, in fact, I showed up to the, uh, I showed up, here, check out, check this out. Sick. Remember this? Yes. For those right. of you I, listening, Michael's holding up a React.js San Francisco meetup name badge. That's yeah, right. I made that myself. <laughs> That's right. Here I was. Here's we were at we were at Telmate, uh, where Devin was at the time, and I kept I kept this badge in this lanyard because I was like, that was the first that was like the first night when so many things started rolling for me in my life and and in this business and this kind of current trajectory that I'm on. So, um, so yeah, so that, that was the first time I met you. That was, when was that meetup? In 2014? Yes, it was May 2014. Uh, yeah, in downtown San Francisco. And you've been running the React.js uh, San Francisco meetup ever since. I have, all by myself. How's, how's it going these days? Um, it's going really well, actually. I have sponsors through June of 2017. I have at least three technical talks through May of 2017, and they fill up really fast, so I'm really excited about it. Sick. I'm, I'm super stoked to hear about that. We, uh, we always enjoy uh, going to the San Francisco meetup whenever we get a chance, whenever we're in San Francisco. I'm trying to think of when I first met you, Devin. Was it a? It was at lunch at ReactConf, right? And you had a whole bunch of chocolates in your backpack, and you gave me some. It was, yeah. My signature move is the sugar pusher. Like that's how I make friends <laughs> and avoid enemies. It worked great. <laughs> but that's a great. That's a great strategy. It is. Let me tell you, it really works. <laughs> I just I just read an article today that said that if you have a baby on an airplane, you should pack a goodie bag. And give it to the people sitting around you, because your kid's gonna scream. <laughs> I thought I, I could have sworn you were gonna say and give it to the baby. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you do that? And make them hyper. That's that's a great idea. I, I recently uh, visited Sydney, and I was on a plane with my one and a half year old. Uh, you know, back from Sydney, which was a 13-hour flight, I think, to San Francisco. That's so terrible. Yeah, probably like the worst worst decision I ever made in my entire life. You'd um, be surprised how far just a little bit of sugar... I mean, like, it's a drug, right? It makes people a little dumb and a little calm and, a, and just, like, a lot calmer for dealing with any sort of controversy. Just yeah. Throw them, throw them a bone. We're, we're all addicted to it, right? 
I was chomping on sugar this morning. We all had like bowls of cereal around the breakfast table. That's how I get going in the morning. All right, so um, <laughs> enough about enough about sugar. <laughs> so so Devin was one of the very very first people that uh, that we ever met uh, using React. So so that puts you at I don't know maybe just over two years that you've been you've been using React at a lot of different places and a lot of different situations. Yeah, um, when I started the meetup, so I worked at Telmate um, until 2014. I worked there with Joe Savona, who I'm. You guys probably know he's on the Core Relay team now, totally. and um, he had read. So we had like an Angular app, and the Angular app sucked, and it kept like overlapping people's sessions and crashing, and we couldn't get any conversions. It was like a web app that was designed for friends and family to be able to get um, money to inmates so that they could like make calls and play games and buy soap and stuff. And so, um, yeah, that app kept failing. He read a blog post by Ben Alpert, and um, he was like, Devin, read this blog post. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this React bullshit? The separation of concerns, blah, it's scary. And then, and then we implemented a couple of pages in it, and it was amazing. And I was like, well, we got to start a community here. Nobody's talking about this. Everyone's got to know. Have you heard the good news? <laughs> Interesting. So, so which, you, which article was it? Uh, it was on change. Right. Do you remember that blog post? Where I, I don't think I read that one, surprisingly. <laughs> he, was, like, was it like was, a Khan Academy developer blog or something? Something like that, yeah. Because like, I think Ben Alpert is the first person that contributed to React who wasn't part of the Facebook team. And he contributed some like behaviors, and OnChange was one of them. So we got to get Ben on here and ask him, like... <laughs> We're 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 gonna we're 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 chasing the trail of breadcrumbs now, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. here we are talking to you, and you're like, "Well, we got it from Ben, so we got to find out where Ben got it." All right, I made a note. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should just call this the early adopter breadcrumb series. We could do it like ra we could do it like Radio Lab too, and not publish this yet, and then go like trace him down, right? And then, <laughs> and then put them all in the same episode. Then we come back to Devin and. <laughs> And then it'll be like Pete Hunt at the end, and he'll be like, I don't know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> really? It came back to me? How did that happen? <laughs> so um, so you, you said you were concerned about, like, separation of concerns and stuff. Um, what were you guys using at the time? We were using Angular. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, Angular is a lot of magic. And I remember I fought the good fight even to get Angular added uh, because at the time when we introduced Angular in 2013, it was pretty much just like plain old vanilla, you know, jQuery type deal, which was already problematic. Um, it wasn't very maintainable by all the Rails developers that were working there. Or we could use Ember, um, which I know you guys are a fan of, but we didn't really... We didn't really understand how all the magic behind the scenes worked. Yeah. With Angular, at least, uh, there was some transparency, and we could figure out things a little bit. Um, but still, you know, it was just too much happening. You could never really fully understand the path of the data that was traveling and, like, why suddenly it stopped because some back-end call changed your entire state that was just, like, I don't know, updating. Well, and if you, and if you did want to try and figure out, right, you would pop a debugger statement in there, and within two clicks in the stack trace, all of a sudden you're not in your code anymore, right? Exactly. You're in like some somebody else's code, and you're like, "What's going on here?" 
I thought of a new analogy about this because I mean even Angular and Ember and all of them are like okay two-way data binding has its good purposes but most of the time you want one way and they've adjusted their frameworks that direction but I've, I've thought of uh, I was doing Legos with my son uh, the other day and um, putting it together is really simple right as you're building the Legos following the instructions like it's all very simple this piece on that piece that piece on this piece and then the kids playing with it and drops it on the ground and then all the pieces go flying but they're mostly put together still and then you try to get those and put them back together and it's hard mm. and like you look at the instructions but you're not in the same order anymore um, and it's like and so it's really hard to look at the instructions and look at the busted Lego pieces you have and like okay how do I put this back together and uh, my daughter was getting so frustrated she's like let's just take it completely apart and just rebuild it again and uh, right after she, she rewrite said, yeah, right after she said that, I was like, oh my goodness, that's that reminds me of the two-way data binding stuff. Like, it makes so much sense as you're putting it together, and then when you come back later because there's a problem, you're like, oh, I can't, like, I can't figure out who owns what, where things are, how stuff gets put together, and it's, anyway, just kind of a funny analogy I thought of this week. Luckily for you, it's been six months since you did the original, and so now somebody's got a new JavaScript framework. Um, so you could just rewrite it in that, and uh, and then you won't have any more bugs. There we go. Right. Cool. Honestly, so that's that's the beauty of the web, right? Like everything, even React. Like if you consider where we were with React just over two years ago, and where we are with React right now, it's it's so. I mean, at the principles are the same, but it's so different. There's so much more power there. There's so much more consensus in the community. There's so much more documentation. There's so much like easier paths to get things done. People to call to get training. Yes. <laughs> so, so I, I wanted to ask you about that too. You know, having sort of been around for a while, you've seen okay. Um, you know, this is kind of how we used to use it, and then this is how we use it now. What are some of the, I guess, largest sort of changes that you've seen um, in just the time that you've been using it? Um, well, so in I remember ways, when I, I guess is using React today different than it was, you know, using React in 2014. So two of the huge problems I had when I hosted that meetup, and it was selfish, you know, the reason why I hosted that meetup was I was like, okay, so this is really cool for rendering, but I'm totally like at a loss for how to do routing, and I'm total totally at a loss for how to like handle the data model. Like mm -hmm. I don't know, so I'll, maybe I'll use backbone and maybe I'll like hack up this angular router that I'm using or this ember router yeah. that I'm using and try to make it like the square peg fit into this little round hole. Yeah. But since then, I mean like since that meetup actually, that very meetup, I don't know if you remember, but you were like, here is what I think about routing and they were and you know, Christopher and I don't even remember who else was there, Paul. They were like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get Let's let's get this added in, and now everyone routes the exact same way. We don't even have to think about it. It's not even a question. Everyone just mm -hmm. introduces the same router, and it's 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 hella easy. We don't have to think about that. Yeah. And then with the data model question, that's been like entirely complex, and I feel like we're only just starting to narrow our focus a little bit about what we um, think like is a standard for data. I um, we use React. Uh, we use. Re Redux, and um, that introduction was made in December, like, sort of holistically, and I love it, honestly, 
like especially on really huge applications, being able to use the time machine feature and take somebody else's entire state scope, import it into my like local dev dev environment and like debug and figure out the problems is just is huge. And yeah. you know, you couldn't do something like that with a two A data bunny model. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. So you guys are actually doing that then? You have like a, a mechanism for like dumping the state and then like loading it into you know, your copy of the app so you can kind of step through it and see what they were going through? Because yeah, I know that was always the promise, but I, I haven't ever, I don't think I've ever actually talked to anybody who was actually doing it. I saw that really cool video from, uh, who's the closure script guy? David Norwood. yes. Oh. Yeah, and he was, he was talking about how Circle CI had done you know, you remember the video that David Nolan showed at the original React Conf at Facebook where he's like, look at what the Circle CI guys are doing, um, where they can sort of dump this, you know, uh, the, all the state of their application using, they were using Ohm, um, yep. and then load it back into the developer's browser and they can see it. So are you guys doing that with Redux Is, or something similar like that? We are. Yeah, we are. Like, uh, in the process of trying to release an application, you know that, like, thousands of bugs are introduced, especially as date, data and state becomes more complex. And so, like, I've started doing it, and it's sick, and in the very near future, I'm going to train support on how to do it so that they can just send it to me and I don't have to be on call. It's such an easy feature. Instead of, you know, yeah. reactive sort of having to be there all the time supporting whatever application, we can just be like, download it, I'll handle it at 9 a.m. Yeah. So do you guys yeah. just use... Um, so there's an error... What's the state in Redux? Let's send that with the error report. Or do you use like all the previous actions and all the previous data that came through to reduce up to that state and see maybe what led to it? So in Chrome, there's Redux DevTools. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have used it, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's being pretty good. It's expanding. Actually, it's fucking great. Honestly, it was it was pretty good before, but now it's really good. So you can see at any change in, um, you can, like, you import or you can export. It's like, you know, one of the options in um, the tool. And then I import it. And I can see every single state change and rewind and play to every single state change, change a little bit of code, rewind and play at every single state change, yeah, and then so see the diff. Yeah, yeah. While, while you're developing, I was, uh, I was wondering if you do that in, like, the in the error reports or how you're saying you can send your state to some other developer and then they can check it out. Like, do you send all of those actions and all of that data so you can step through? Or do you just send, like, the last snapshot? I just send the last snapshot, which has every single action throughout it. Like, if... So I'm on a page. So it's all serial. So she could go yeah. back through... Okay, so the snapshot means that you have all of the data from every yep. action that ever happened. Exactly. Cool. Up to that point. Need, right? Yeah. That's cool. That, yeah. yeah, that that is super cool. I would love to like come and check check that out. See how that see how that works. Because um, give a, a talk or something. Yeah, totally, totally. That was that was always like the promise of uh, the global state, right? Is that you know if we if we just keep all this stuff in one place, then we should be able to just take a snapshot of it and and replay it. I I can't wait until that kind of technique becomes mainstream. Um, for you know, data management, I think that's really, really key. For a while, there was a um, an issue open in in React. I think I think on the core repo, right, where Sebastian was like, "Let's externalize the state tree." I don't know if 
if uh, conversation died down there. Ryan, have you been following that conversation? Not in a while, but uh, yeah, it was it was leading a great direction. Sebastian was like, hey, yeah, this is awesome that Redux can do this. It can do this because you bailed out of React and you've built your own library, but why can't React just allow us to do this with component state? Like, why isn't there a way to externalize mm -hmm. this whole state tree and be able to do that kind of thing? So, um, one of my peers, um, her name's Jen Rollman, recently wrote and published a Medium article called Debug Debugging the Production Web, and she goes into it a little bit uh, in there if you want a little debriefer. Jen, you said Jen Rollman? Yeah, her um, handle is J R U L L M A N N. Okay, debugging the production web. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. She's good. She's she's it. smarter than I am. <laughs> hey, just the fact that you know, whenever whenever you're able to like identify that somebody else like is is really good, that that there's something that you don't know, I think that. That actually means you're actually probably a lot smarter than you think you are. <laughs> um, Any opportunity to learn. I think that's probably yeah. also why like, I grasped. Like, I, I maybe was feeling a little jaded with the JavaScript community and the front-end community in general. I was feeling a lot of that like trolley burn. Everyone's saying, like, JavaScript sucks. This is stupid. And I couldn't really defend it. I couldn't really defend Angular. I couldn't really defend jQuery. I didn't feel like I was a part of those things. With React, I feel like there's always an opportunity to learn and the community is a lot more collaborative and like, oh, I see the problem that you're actually talking about. Let's fix it rather than mm -hmm. deal with it and let's go just eat ice cream. Yeah. I I was uh I was actually about to step away from from programming entirely. I was I was so I was like, why am I spending all day like fighting with browsers and fighting with JavaScript and I I, I couldn't identify I, at that time, that my issues were with, you know, managing the flow of state, uh, and that that's what was making it difficult for me to for me to debug my apps. But then, yeah, you're right. There's also like a lot of drama that goes, and I was just like, I'm done with this. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go do something else. Um, and when I got turned on to to React, I was actually like, oh, there's hope. This is actually fun again, you know. And 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 I do feel like a lot of the conversations that go on in the React community are kind of like you say they're. They're like, okay, there's a problem. Like, here's the problem. Here are the constraints. You know, let's fix it. Um, instead of just like sort of hand wavy, like I don't like this because, you know, whatever. Uh, I, I I do think it's it's yeah. People can kind of zero in on what exactly the problem is and okay, let's fix it. Like kind of kind of like this whole like idea about you know inline styles. Like you know, I feel like Chris Shadow like very clearly articulated like here are the problems. You know, here are the solutions that we have, and here are the holes, and and let's you know see if we can figure that out. Things like that. That's, and it, it's beautiful because like with the other with the other frameworks, you're kind of stuck with this monolith. Well, that's the implementation decision that we've made. It's where we're at. Yeah. Uh, sorry, figure out a way around it. Where React's like, we can quickly iterate. Let's change. Let's have five different ways to implement it. Let's churn on that, find which one's the best, and then adopt it as a, as a standard across the community. Mm -hmm. And you've got the right escape hatches, I think. For the most part, so that you can do stuff like that. I think that's that might be what that issue uh, was trying to get at. That uh, externalizing the state tree. Let's let's pull up the issue number, Ryan, because I'd hate to leave. Uh, it's a uh, four five nine five. Four five nine five. It's it's February twenty third, but it was referenced March twenty fourth by 
like five other things. Okay. So I don't think it's dead. Uh, right now they're working on that fiber stuff, right? And I th maybe once that shows up, that helps. I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, it's it. That's definitely four five nine five. That's definitely a, an interesting um, an interesting read for anybody who's who's interested in this this whole idea of kind of state management and data management. I really hope that eventually the kind of the stuff that we've learned from Redux um, and the stuff that you guys are doing with Redux in production, which is awesome, I hope that that learning that's taking place there eventually can, like, go mainstream and actually make it into, you know, what we know as, as React today. And I think, I think that issue is about finding the right escape hatches, right? Finding the, the component did mount or the component did update, you know, those little escape hatches that let us do stuff with the DOM I think uh, I think that issue is all about finding those escape hatches to let us do, you know, those same sort of operations on our data. You know, if I have a data dump, what is the escape hatch that I need to load it into my React tree, um, and what is the escape hatch that I need to actually get? Up in the first place. You turned into a robot there for me. A minute. Yeah, you did. It was awesome. The, it was awesome. Those are the keys. Yeah, say say the last uh, like twenty well, seconds of what you said, Michael. Oh man, did I just did I just bail out? Yeah. Ah. You said the escape uh, hatches. Uh, no, when I, just, I want to get I the data out like and the, put it back in. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, I I think React has great escape hatches right now for you know doing doing stuff with the DOM, right? You've got your component did mount component issue that we saw, uh, you know that that we're talking about right now. Um, is about finding the escape hatches to do stuff with our data, right? How do I get the dump? How do I load it back in? Um, and I, I, I really hope that all the stuff that, that you know you guys are doing with Redux, the stuff that we're all, we're all learning about this, I hope that you know that we can get those escape hatches into React Core. I think that'll be really cool. Cool. So, um, so tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about. I feel like I've been talking too much, so I'm sorry. Tell us a little <laughs> bit more, Devin, about your experience. Um, so you're you're now working on quite a large team um, doing React. Uh, maybe how many how many? I guess could you give us some idea of kind of the the size and the, the complexity of the application you're working on? Nope. <laughs> no, I can or, tell you. I can tell you. I can tell you some things. Um, so I I I do two things at Apple. I contribute to um, our little application, which is still in the works. It's, I work on internal tools on a dedicated team of eight uh, front-end developers, and five of those are dedicated React.js developers. All we do is React.js 100% all the time, right? Yeah. APIs and stuff, too, but that's it. Um, yeah. Then the other thing that I do is like evangelize and answer questions and help facilitate relationships with other people at Apple who are trying to get um, their foot in the door with React and understand and like that's that's where a lot of like my tweets come in like hey how do you guys what's this fetch thing you're talking about Michael like um, those that's the other part of my job where other people who are, I mean and there's massive 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 teams throughout the company that um, have questions about React and want to understand like how to do things. So a lot of your job is is education, right? It's helping people to sort of figure out, you know, what are kind of the the ways to to you know move forward and if our team wants to adopt it and we want to build something with this, how do we how do we do it? Um, yeah. It's important, you know, like as a web developer you have to stay on top of like learning learning new things 
in regard to the technology that you use, but like it's actually part of my job to make sure that I stay on top of reading those blog posts and understanding what people are doing and where the faults are so that I can, you know, lead and tell other people like here's here's a good bootstrap or not a good bootstrap or here's a good way to get your app up and running or here's a way to get Babel six right. quick. What are um <clears throat> Since you're exposed to a lot of people uh, just starting out to react with React, can you think of some of the things that maybe people struggle with the most? The most, and I just have, like, it's funny. So I have this rule that I turn off my cell phone between 9 a.m. and 7 a.m. Oh, it all makes sense now. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. and 7 a.m., sorry. So that, like, I don't get overly stressed out. But, like, I just woke up to, like, 19 text messages that are like, I hate Babel. What's this ES6? I don't understand. Why isn't anything rendering on my page? My tests won't even run. It's throwing an exception on import. That's, like, the ES6 syntax is the number one, yep. is the number one problem. And I understand, you know, there's a way to just include React and have plain old, like, rendering... On, on the view, but every single tutorial out there, every single blog post out there uses ES6 syntax and talks about Babel, so like, I don't know, I, um, I, feel, I think Dan has done a really awesome job with this create app, like it's sick, but if you hand that to anybody who's like a hardcore computer scientist, they're like, I don't, I want to know every single thing that's being included here and why, and, and so um, maybe like a why why everything is so important and how each part of it actually works rather than here's a bunch of options for trying to make it work would be would be helpful well, and just and just a lot of people it seems um, I don't know so I, I was doing websites back when we didn't even have JavaScript right so I've seen <laughs> I've, I've seen the whole thing like there, there's a difference between reading about history and that actually is. like being in the middle of history um, and, uh, like, there's just, the, the main difference with the web for me is that you are running your code on not my machine, right? Like, you write code, yeah. and then it runs somewhere that you have zero control over. And now my kid is about to wet his pants, so I gotta go. Michael, maybe you can finish my thought. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's no problem. I, I finish your thoughts all the time. Um, so, so... I, I, there was a thought that I had that might have been in actually a similar vein as Ryan's thought, which was um, now, 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 JSX sort of made the compile step like Im imperative, right? We had to compile because we have these weird like angle brackets in our JavaScript now, um, and I think it was it was a small jump from there to say, well, since we're compiling our JSX. Um, why don't we compile our arrow functions? And why don't we compile classes? And why don't we compile, like, everything, right? Because, you know, we're compiling anyway. We've got to build step anyway. Um, and I think that, I think you nailed it, Devin. Like, that is, that, that's kind of a, a huge hang-up for a lot of people that they associate with React. But actually, yep. it's not React that's the problem. It's, it's having a build step, which you're not used to. Um, and, and I, I actually kind of get concerned when I see, like, features in React um, that are, that are, um, that kind of rely on that fact that you have a build step, right? So, like, like, um, like, like, I was really concerned, for example, with, like, the whole ES6 class thing, because ES6 classes don't really work that well, um, 
without auto binding for beginners, for people who don't understand how this works, right? And so, well, then they're like, you know, everybody's like, well, you could just use like property initializers, instance property initializers, and then you get an auto bound this. And you still need the stage one Babel preset to get those those instance property initializers to work correctly. So, so it, it was like we invented a solution, right? Like, let's get away from create class. Okay, now we have ES6 classes in the language, which by the way, indents on this compile step. Um, and the fact that we're using ES6 classes also means that we need to use, you know, auto-bound instance property initializers, which is another buy-in to the compile step, right? So it's it's like, since we're already compiling, like, let's just go the full nine yards and like compile everything and 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 now we're now we're recommending that we write code based on the premise that yes you do have a compile step so we we have kind of come a a a a, a ways from like oh just drop the jsx transformer into your page to all of a sudden just like assuming that yes of course you have a compile step because you're using you're using React. And I think that's that's the hitch, you know. That's the Thomas Fuchs tweet where he's like, you know, showing the guy in front of the really large chalkboard. You know what I'm talking about? He's about to create his Hello World React. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like this massively complex thing. And I think it's it's just a build step that people are struggling with, at least as far as I can tell. Yeah. And and it's not it's hard for beginners to it's hard to tell somebody who's not like a beginner programmer but who's beginning at React yep. it's hard to say like hey just do this first step let's iterate let's turn on it because those of us who are who are in the nitty gritty who it's it's less about like overloading this compile step and more about in my opinion it's more about like hey for the first time ever we as React developers can have a say and can dog food these things that are coming on the future of the platform that we are completely dependent upon. Like, mm -hmm. let's collaborate on that rather than just having some godlike guys in a room come back and tell us exactly how it should be. Let's iterate and turn on it, decide what we like, decide what we hate, and make sure that we contribute back to that. And the only way that we can do it is through this compile step. And awesomely enough, like, we are given a tool, which is React, that we're able to contribute back to that spec and understand it a little bit more fully before everyone sort of completely adopts it. And that gives us, like, a whole lot of power for the first time, I think, as JavaScript developers. We're less of a tool on the stack, and now we're becoming the voices of reason. Like, this is what can happen next. Let's consider it from a cons computer science point of view rather than just saying, fine, this is how map works. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Our our thirty minutes are up, and I promise you, I would not waste more than thirty minutes of your time, Devin. Um, thank you so much for being on our show this week. You have been uh, just kind of like a steady influence in the React community since day one, and uh, just you know, thank you for everything that you do and your and your work and promoting React and and best of luck to you in the future. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs>